So, Mom, do you remember back in January when I made you talk about resolutions? Vaguely. I know you think that episode was me talking at you a bunch, and you're kind of like, aren't I supposed to be the one talking? Uh, that's That wasn't what I was thinking, but uh, I remember that now. What were you thinking? I think you had had a lot of coffee that day. <laughs> it's the, like the day that I made that strong, strong cup of coffee for Rebecca, and she didn't sleep for three days. <laughs> oh, yeah. You accidentally gave third grade me a lot of caffeine that day. (laughs) Ah, that lovely lady is my mom. I am Rebecca Garza-Bortman, and you are listening to Advice for Mom. On this show, my psychologist mom answers your big life questions. And then I give her a bit of a hard time. It's just the kind of daughter I am. And then we always get a second opinion. And listeners, for this episode, we are trying something new by revisiting something old. Advice so nice, we should all hear it twice. Plus, my mom gets a second chance at giving advice that she wishes that she gave before. Does this sound like a good plan, Mom? I love the plan, and oh, especially since we created it creatively together. We collaboratively, creatively created it. Uh, I think that's redundant, but I don't care if we repeat ourselves because this episode with Michaela is so wonderful that I think it deserves superlatives. It bears repeating. It, It bears repeating. Yeah. That should be the name of the episode. It bears repeating with Michaela Watkins. <laughs> that's lovely. Perhaps it's obvious from listening to our show, I have pretty high expectations for myself. Whenever my mom says, lower your expectations, even though she's all the way in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm in California, I can tell she is staring right at me when she says that. So one of the ways that I have high expectations for myself is that I never want to tell you anything on this podcast that I don't actually make good on. So... In January, we talked about resolutions and how limiting they are and how change can happen over all the months of the year, not just January. So after saying that, I was like, okay, this deserves a calendar reminder. So here we are, month three, and I open up my calendar to find that January version of me said, are you making good on your resolution to be broader at your understanding of a resolution? And I, I need that. I need that advice. I need to remember that change is a process. So I was listening back to our old episodes, and I love some advice that we collected for an episode called The Long Haul, where we are exploring big life goals and creative pursuits and how sometimes it can be so difficult and so draining to get through the process of progress. So I wanted to transport you back to that episode, especially the advice from actress Michaela Watkins. So if you too could use a little check-in about 2018, how it's going, where it's going, maybe you could use a pep talk, this is the episode for you. The question comes from a listener who you might remember called herself recently rejected. And this wasn't a relationship rejection. It was a professional and creative rejection, which, I don't know, sometimes I feel like they can hit just as hard as relationships. After you've poured your heart and soul into something for months and months and months, 
to get a rejection is just so difficult. Yeah, I think it's time for a pep talk. But real quick, just a reminder. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It's not intended for diagnosis or treatment of any medical or psychological condition. All of your treatment decisions should be made in partnership with a health professional. All right, time to get back in that podcast time machine. Revisiting some old advice for a new perspective. You ready for the letter, Mama? Okay, I'm ready. Dear Mama B, six months ago, I finished my first novel. Yay, me. And I was, and I am, proud of that accomplishment. After years of writing on weekends and my time off, I was more than ready to start the process of looking for an agent to represent my book to publishers. I knew this part of the process is a bit like matchmaking in terms of finding and soliciting an agent who is as excited to represent my book as I was to write it. But as the rejections roll in, one after another, I find myself struggling to maintain the confidence and conviction I had for my work when I was writing it. I have to fight hard against the perfectionist in me, who immediately feels a sense of shame and failure when I get another rejection letter from an agent. And even though I still believe there's an agent and readers out there for this book, I've found myself a bit paralyzed in terms of my creative process. After weeks of feeling rather depressed about my prospects, I had the realization that this is the most rejection I have ever experienced in my life. On the one hand, recognizing the inherent privilege of that situation puts this whole thing in perspective for me. But on the other hand, I feel stuck. So my question is two-pronged. How do I handle rejection as a creative person who is also a perfectionist? And how do I grapple with that sense of something being incomplete? Signed, recently rejected. So recently rejected, I know your rejection is not so recent anymore. But your letter really gets at the heart of one of the hardest things of working your butt off and wanting something so badly and then feeling defeated and stuck. So first, here's some advice from my mom. Hello to you, recently rejected. I'm so sorry that you've had such a rough time. This has not been an easy, easy thing for you. In your question, you say, six months ago, I finished my first novel. Yay, me. And you also say that you wrote on weekends and during your time off for years. Did you give yourself a period of rest after you finished? After all, you're not just a workhorse. Obviously, you have great work ethic and self-discipline. So my question for you is, can you celebrate your accomplishment? There's nothing worse, I think, than having a power struggle within yourself. So it's the power struggle between, am I competent or am I not competent? And that tug of war is making you kind of miserable. 
So maybe the simplest and best advice I can give you is to slow down and to lower your expectations simply because you're in your own head beating yourself up. That will squelch the creative process for sure. Even if it doesn't seem like it now, this will help you in the future. This is a really good time to bolster your support system. It can be professional people. It can be people in your social life. It can be, it could be, you know, I don't know how many people are going to church these days, but it could be joining a a church or any kind of social organization or volunteering. It doesn't matter what it is, just so that um, you do it with other real people out in the real world and keep your morale up. In my mind, that is the big challenge when you're learning something new and when you're trying to make a place for yourself in a big competitive world. So my third and final suggestion for you to do is to increase your physical activity. Doing something physical will help you feel better. So I have a story about a man who his job was really high-powered and very lucrative. He had an excellent job, and suddenly he lost it. He was laid off, but he realized that he wanted to do something physical. So he set about to build a house, and of course that requires a lot of physical work. He taught himself a lot of new skills, and he built that house. I believe that afterward he actually changed careers and went into the house building business. So each of these actions will enhance your personal life and will probably have a ripple effect on your career. So as usual, Rebecca, I'm looking forward to hearing any kind of uh, input or feedback you have for me. That could only be the sound of one thing. It's time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. Before we get to the match, let's hear who Mama B got a package in the mail from today. Okay, it's from RX Bars. Can you believe it? It is, oh, it must be loaded with RX Bars. I love it. I love it. Ooh, I have never tried mixed berry. Oh, but I do. I love the peanut butter chocolate. I love the chocolate sea salt. Oh my goodness. And there's blueberry. Oh my golly, isn't that cool? It's more than just cool. RX bars are smart to chew because RX bars are good for you. Get your protein without that stress. It says right there on the label, no BS. So this is probably the only time that I'm allowed to talk while I'm eating. Listeners, I hope you forgive me. RX bar, blueberry, that has almonds, cashews, dates, egg whites, and 12 grams of protein. There's no corn syrup in here. It's just deliciousness. Oh, my goodness. For 25% off your first order, go to rxbar.com slash pickleball, and then enter the promo code pickleball at checkout. Let's play mother-daughter pickleball. Uh, yeah, in fact, this question you gave me homework for. So I did my homework, I want you to know. Wow, you are a good student. I listened to mom's favorite podcast, The Savvy Psychologist, 
where mom listens to another psychologist and thinks, oh, good idea. (laughs) I love to learn new stuff. If you're interested, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson has researched the topic of perfectionism. The podcast is called Nine Hidden Signs of Perfectionism. In it, she says, Perfectionism is tricky. A tiny sprinkling can be good, but a generous helping is paralyzing and self-defeating. This podcast indeed made me realize if I am not all the symptoms, I have many of them. (laughs) Was that an unhappy... uh, discovery? A little bit. I mean, it sounds like this this listener is embracing the term perfectionist, but the strongest points of the episode to me was when she talks about how it's fine to aim high, but it's another thing to be paralyzed and consumed by the fear of making mistakes and the fear of being judged, which I think recently rejected as seeing the dark side of this perfectionism. Yes, but that in itself, that recognition and that reaching out to even ask the question, absolutely the hardest step and the first step toward healing. And I I love the idea of doing something physical. I think that's really, really empowering to learn something new as an accomplishment. And I love the example you gave of the guy who builds the house because he brings the power back into his life in a way that a corporation had kind of, it sounds like kind of robbed him from his power. But that house was totally under his control. Absolutely. And I think that sense of control that you're talking about is so pivotal, especially uh, the, um, the career building aspect. We need, to, we need to have control over certain things that affect our life directly. And that's not a bad thing. But what the hell do I know about how it feels to be a rejected artist? I have no life experience that relates to that. (laughs) So our guest for this question certainly does. Actress Michaela Watkins has been in so many shows and movies, including Hulu's Casual, New Girl, and Hello, Saturday Night Live. You might think that she has never felt rejection, but oh boy, has she ever. And she's come out the other side with grade A advice. And I think she has the pep talk we could all use right now. I love this letter very much. Everything that this writer is saying is so universally and commonly felt that I feel like I know them. What I first want to say about this letter is congratulations. I mean, anytime anybody tells me they wrote a book, I'm immediately like, wow, it's really, really, really hard to have the discipline to see an idea through. So of course, like the feeling of that somebody isn't embracing it with open arms in the same way and just patting you on the back and going, as my friend Annie Sertich likes to say, (laughs) she goes in, she pitches a show, and then she says, where was my parade? And that's not shameful. That's a natural feeling. I can't tell you how much time I spend on the phone with people talking about this exact thing. And by people, I mean my good friends who have a feeling of rejection and don't really know where to put it until they process it out loud with a friend that they can't really move past it. And rejection is something that you have to cultivate a relationship with. I have a really strong relationship with it because I've experienced it a lot and I continue to, like I said, 
you talk about how you are having trouble moving on from this. You can't get excited about anything else until you have some sort of completion with this. That is the perfect time to become really good at rejection. Rejection is going to tell you that you're no good and you can't do these things and you were never really good in the first place. And maybe your book wasn't that great to begin with. It's going to lie to you a lot. So what rejection forces you to do is to really go inside and figure out what is the truth. Or rejection forces you to move on because this maybe isn't supposed to be completed right now. Maybe you're the next Elizabeth Gilbert and your second book makes everybody read your first book. You have no idea what your arc of your life is going to be. All you know is that you wrote a book and in your estimation, it's probably a really great book or you wouldn't have written it. Learning how to move on to the next thing is the most important thing that you can do. You have to get in front of it. See, what I do after I have any kind of audition, I've developed something that I ceremoniously do after every audition and I take my sides and I throw them in the garbage can as soon as I walk out the door. I'm signaling to myself that what just happened was what I wanted to do in that room, and the outcome doesn't matter. It's like out of my hands. I can't control if anybody hires me. I can't control what happens once I get the job. I can't control any of those things. All I can control is what I did in that audition, and now it's over. And now I'm ready for the next thing. When I did Saturday Night Live, I did one season. I had a great time. Such a such an exciting, exciting year and something that I really never thought was going to happen to me. And when my contract didn't get renewed, I had no idea why. And to this day, I don't really have any idea why, but it didn't. And I had to make a very real decision. Was I going to be someone who was going to define myself as I got cut off from Saturday Night Live after one season? Or was Saturday Night Live going to be a part of my life? Was it going to be one of the many, many things I end up doing in this life? You can't be defined by the fact that you wrote a book and you know you tried to get it published and you, you hit roadblocks. That's something that happened, but that's not your career and that's not who you are. But I do understand the sense of incompleteness. It's a real thing and you can't let something just sort of have frayed endings and just linger out there. It just feels so incomplete. But when I feel really crappy about something, I support someone else. So sometimes we think there's only enough goodness and accolades to go around to a few people and it's limited. But what happens is when I feel really cruddy, I go see somebody else's show or read somebody else's thing and then tell them, how good I think it is. And I feel like it does a couple of things. One, it inspires me and to be constantly inspired is really important because rejection can sort of close us off, whereas inspiration sort of blossoms us and opens us up. So I think it's really good to counter those feelings with taking in colleagues' work. When I got to SNL, I had a sketch that went really well at the table read, and then it went so, so, so at the dress rehearsal, and I think it was cut, and it probably didn't make it into the live show. And one of the producers said to me, he made me watch Will Ferrell's first sketches on their on their server that they have. And I was watching them, and, and I was like, oh, God, this is so funny. Why am I watching this? And he goes, is anybody laughing? And I was like, no, nobody's laughing. And he said, because they didn't know who he was yet. So he was as funny as the Will Ferrell that you know right now, but nobody was reacting because it was a new voice. It was a new rhythm. It was a new tempo. 
and audiences' ears weren't tuned to it yet. So it doesn't take away from the validity of the hilariousness that is Will Ferrell, but it does show you, don't go ahead doubting your book, you know, because the reaction isn't what you want it to be. The reaction isn't what you want it to be right now. Just assume this book is going to be the thing you want it to be and write your next book. Get excited and start to really look at what your next book is because you're going to be so mad that when this book does find its right agent and gets published, you're going to be so mad that you maybe spent a year bumming out about it when you could have been creating the next thing so that when your first book hits, your second book has a life and you're already on the tracks. So, so mom, what did you think of Michaela's advice? First off, now listening back to the whole episode. I loved what she said about embracing the experience. And um, one, of the, one of the tried and true ways that I have of helping people to accept a crisis is to have them realize that it was time for them to break through the status quo or the habits that they'd had for a long time and to embrace the newness of what was going to be next. And so uh, the Chinese word for crisis actually means, of course, something awful and opportunity. Yes, it was awful, but yes, it's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. It has kind of a dual meaning, I think. As the queen of the positive reframe, I like that optimism. Oh, you're just doing your usual flattery. (laughs) (laughs) Flattery will truly get you everywhere, but rejection is such a universal experience. And what Michaela talks about in terms of embracing it rather than trying to push it away, it's great wisdom. Um, I used to feel rejected all the time about the most minor things. But um, the other piece of fabulous advice that Michaela gives was probably what I used at least some of the time to help me get over the feeling of rejection. And that is to get with your friends. Get with your friends. So isn't wasn't it the Galentine's Day idea is such a s- sweet and superb idea. So maybe one of our main takeaways can be in addition to having that rejuvenated mindset, not just in January, but every month. Maybe you can also have that Galentine's Day mindset every month, not just February. Yeah. I love that. So anyway, um, go out there and hang out with your friends and enjoy the heck out of it. So dear listeners, may we all go out and enjoy the heck out of being with our friends. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for subscribing. Wait, you, you haven't yet subscribed? Wait, wait, you're the only one who didn't subscribe yet? Oh my gosh. You should just subscribe. You know what? I'm not. That's as close as I come to bullying. It kind of sounded mean, girl. If you want to subscribe, we would love that. It really helps us get new listeners. And my mom loves new listeners, and she loves new letters. We've been getting some good ones, but Mama B had an idea too. You know, I was even thinking that it might be fine um, for some of the people who sent in questions 
last year sometime for them to write to us again and tell us, update us on what's going on now. Yeah. So if you've had a question answered, write in, tell us how you're doing. If you haven't had a question answered yet, what are you waiting for? I'm sure you have big life questions you're dying for mom's advice on. So write in at advicefrom.mom slash request. Advice from Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced by Juliet Heinley and me, Rebecca Garza-Bortman. Editing by Juliet Heinley. Mixing and mastering by Jake Young. Audio assistance by Brian Garza. Publicity by Jane Riccobono. The music under our letters is by Scissors for Lefty. And our theme music is by Love Jerks. A very special thank you on this episode to Michaela Watkins. And best of luck on your upcoming season of Casual. And to my mom, Dr. Mama B, Elizabeth Skibinski-Bortman. She is the mom I'm so glad to share with the world. I just can't even tell you, this lady, she just always amazes me. She's just, she's such a blessing. And I know you're thinking like, don't you just talk about your mom all the time? But I just want to say, because I know she listens all the way to the end. Mama B does not turn off for the credits. That, mom, you're the best. Thank you. Now more than ever, you're my walking pep talk. Does that degrade you as a mother? Does that put you down in a way that I didn't mean to? Oh, you be the judge. Well, when I first started, I was like, okay, how is a podcast different than a blog? Okay, I'll find out. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, I guess, something you could probably Google and find a page made for the elderly. (laughs) Shut the hell up.